Is Satan a Christian? That's the title of this morning's lesson. Is Satan a Christian? Now, at least on the surface, that may seem like one of the dumbest questions you have ever heard in your entire life. Sort of like many of you may possibly recall a gentleman by the name of Bill Ingvall that used to talk about, here's your sign, and, and he had some pretty dumb questions. He said one day he was out fishing with his buddy, and they've got the boat back to the dock, and he lifted a stringer of bass out of the boat, and the bystander said, you catch him fish? Nope. Just talked to him into giving up. Here's your sign. Talked about how the last time he was home, he had a flat tire. Pulled into the gas station, the attendant said, got a flat? Nope. I was out driving around, those other three just swelled right up. Here's your sign. Now, you may be inclined to think that your preacher needs one of those signs. When you hear the title of this morning's lesson, is Satan a Christian? Because that seems like the most ridiculous question you've ever heard on the surface. The only difference between that and some of the Bill Ingvall stuff is that those were obviously affirmative and this one is obviously a negative response. But is the question I asked always that obviously foolish? For example, Sometimes we will go to a funeral for somebody in the community and the preacher will get up there they'll say something like this. He didn't go to church, but he, he was a good Christian man. You know, millions of people today consider themselves to be Christians. They consider themselves fully to be Christians even though a large percentage of people have no religious affiliation whatsoever. But what is it that makes a person a Christian? What is it that makes a person a Christian? I want to consider what it is to be a Christian this morning according to Scripture. First off, is someone a Christian simply because they believe God exists? Is someone a Christian simply because they believe God exists? A lot of religious people in the world today would say, well, well yeah, all you gotta do is believe. But here's the thing. If belief alone is all it takes to make somebody a Christian, then Satan himself would be a Christian because Satan absolutely believes in God. Open with me in your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter three. Incredibly familiar text, but please turn there, Genesis chapter three. If all it takes is believing that God exists to be a Christian, then Satan would be a Christian. Because in Genesis three, one through five, we read the following. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? 
And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In this passage right here, Satan speaks of God as being alive. He says, God knows, verse, uh, he says, God said, has God said. He says, God knows, you'll be like God. He speaks of God as a living being. Satan believes in God. He speaks of God as being very much alive. He speaks of the existence of God. Therefore, simply believing that God exists is not enough to make somebody a Christian because that would make not only Satan a Christian, but it would make all of the demons Christians as well. You remember what it says in James 2 and verse 19? Remember what it says? It says, you believe that there is one God you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. Demons believe. Why do they tremble? They tremble because they know the fate that awaits them at the end of time and they're not going to be in heaven. But the Bible also shows that belief alone is not enough to make a person a Christian. Turn to me in your Bibles, Acts 26. Belief alone, according to the Bible, belief that God exists is not enough to make anybody, any being, a Christian. Acts chapter 26. In Acts chapter 26, the Apostle Paul is giving his testimony, if you will, if you want to use that word, he's giving his defense before King Agrippa. Look at the first three verses. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews. Watch this in verse 3. Especially because you are expert. You are expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. He goes on from that point, and he presents his case. When he gets done, look with me in verses 24 and following. What happens? He gets done with his defense, and it says in verses 24 and following of chapter 26 of Acts, Now as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But the apostle Paul responds, and he says, I am not mad, most noble Festus. But I speak the words of truth and reason. For the king, now watch this carefully. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things. He's told him this whole story about, about what has happened to him and the God of his fathers and all of those things in verses 4 through 23. And he says, the king before whom I speak, verse 26, speaks freely, knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escaped his attention since this thing was not done in a corner. He said, King Agrippa knows all about this. He's an expert in the customs of the Jews. He knows all of this stuff. King Agrippa, verse 27, do you believe the prophets? 
I know you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Did you notice that? Paul says, I know you believe. King Agrippa did not deny it. He knew all of this stuff. He believed all of this stuff. But what did he say? Even though he believed it, he said, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. He didn't say, yes, because I believe it, I am a Christian. He already believed it, but he wasn't a Christian yet. He knew he wasn't a Christian. Paul knew he wasn't a Christian. But yet both he and Paul knew that he believed this stuff. Belief alone is not enough to make somebody a Christian. Because if it were, Satan and all of his demons and King Agrippa would have all been Christians because they all believed. Number two, secondly, is someone a Christian simply because they believe God is very, very powerful? Turn to me in your Bibles to the book of Job, chapter 1. Job, chapter 1. Is someone a Christian simply because they believe that God is extremely powerful. Job 1, beginning verse 6. Now there was a day, Job 1, 6, when the sons of men came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said to him, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him? around his household and around all that he has on every side you bless the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land in that passage right there Satan acknowledges that God is very very powerful that what happens to man God controls Satan could not break the boundary he could not bridge the hedge nor could he pierce the protection that God had put around Job. Satan acknowledges that God is extremely powerful. So did his servants, by the way. Satan's servants also acknowledge the power of God in a mighty way. Turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark in chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. We're reminded that in this story, in Mark chapter 5, there's a demon-possessed man that Mark focuses on here in this, this reading. He is demon-possessed. Jesus lands there, and look what it says in verses 6 and following of Mark 5. When he saw Jesus from afar, this man that was demon-possessed, he ran and worshipped him. He cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Demons are speaking through the man. For he had said to him, verse 8, Come out of this man, unclean spirit. Then he asked, What is your name? Jesus says to these demons, They're talking through this man, and possessed this man, What is your name? 
And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Did you get that? The demons are begging Jesus earnestly. They can't move until Jesus gives them permission. Did you see that? They're acknowledging Jesus' power. They know how mighty he is. Now, in verse 11, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountain. So all the demons beg. They are pleading. They are begging. All of them. They don't just say, we're going to go do this. So there. They can't. Because they cannot move until Jesus gives them permission. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. Look at verse 12. And at once Jesus gave them permission, and then they went out and entered the swine. You see that? Believing that Jesus, believing that God is very, very powerful is not enough to make one a Christian because that would make both Satan and all of his demons Christians. If that's all it took was believing in God and believing he was very powerful, if that's all it took, then Satan and his demons would be Christians. Number three. Number three. Is someone a Christian simply because they can quote scripture? Sad to see how many people today would answer that yes. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, you know, they're a good Christian person. They quote the Bible forward, backward, and upside down. But is being able to quote the Bible enough to make somebody a Christian? Turn to me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus... Matthew 4, 1, was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil, notice this, took him up into the holy city. The devil does this. The devil took him up into the holy city set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. And Satan quotes scripture. Satan says, For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And so we see that knowing and quoting scripture in and of itself does not make one a Christian, because if it did, then Satan would be a Christian, because Satan quotes scripture. Number four, is simply believing, and this is a big one, is simply believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, enough to make somebody a Christian. It is amazing to me how many religious people today would answer that question, yes. All you got to do is believe. They say, all you got to do is believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Does simply believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, is that enough to make someone a Christian? Did you know that on several different occasions, the demons themselves affirm their absolute belief in the absolute deity 
of the Lord Jesus Christ as both the Messiah and Son of the living God. Did you know that the demons did that? Turn to me to the Gospel according to Matthew, if you're not already there. Over to chapter 8. Verses 28 and following. Now, this is Matthew's retelling, or Matthew's telling of the story that we looked at a little bit ago here when we talked about the gospel according to Mark. In Matthew 8, 28, when he comes to the other side of the country, the Jerusalem seems to have been two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass through. And suddenly they cried out, saying, watch this, this is the demon speaking through these men. What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Does demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Absolutely. Have you come here to torment us before the time? Have you come here to cast us once and forever away into hell in that lake of fire before the time? Is that what you're here for, Jesus? They knew. They not only know Jesus, they know what he's going to do to them. They confess that he is Jesus, the Son of God. And then, of course, it goes on in verses 30 and 31, where they have to beg him. Again, as we saw according to the Gospel of Mark, you know, it breaks my heart that there are many, many, many misled religious people today. People who will vigorously state and almost violently defend that all you've got to do to be saved is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart and you will be saved. And that's all there is to it. Brethren, if that were all there is to it, the demons would be Christians and they would be saved. The Word of God shows us that that's not, are those two things important? Yeah, but that's not all there is to it. They are not the be all and the end all. Look at a similar situation. In the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 4. Turn over there. Luke, chapter 4, beginning at verse 31. Luke 4, beginning at verse 31. Then he, that is Jesus, went down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Did that demon sound like he doubted that? Absolutely not. He knew exactly who Jesus was. He knew exactly that Jesus was the Son of God. The Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, look at verse 35, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Again, you see Jesus' authority. But again, you see demons confessing that he is the Holy One of God. Look at me in the same chapter at verses 40 and 41. When the sun was setting, all those who had 
any that were sick with various diseases, brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. Brethren, simply believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and confessing that with your mouth does not automatically make one a Christian. Because that would make both Satan and all of his demonic servants Christians as well. Number five. Is someone a Christian just because they attend church on Sunday? Is that, does that automatically make one a Christian? Turn to me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. Look what Paul wrote. To our brethren in Corinth, in the church, the Lord's church there in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Is someone a Christian simply because they attend church on Sunday? 2 Corinthians 11, look at what the Apostle Paul writes to our brethren in the first century church of Christ in Corinth. Verses 12 through 15. 2 Corinthians 11, 12 through 15. Paul says... But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. Verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder! For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Now, where do you think that these demons in disguise or deceitful workers, where do you think they'd be on the Lord's day? Where do you think they'd be? Where would you be if your only goal in life was to steal away from the flock of God on Sunday, where would you be? Amidst the flock of God, wouldn't you? Those of you that have ever gone to Colorado elk hunting, you've probably not done that in Florida, right? Why? Because there's no elk in Florida as far as I know. You go where they are. These false teachers, these wolves in sheep's clothing, would be gathered together amongst the flock, just as Jesus had said, they would be in the church in order to have their best chance of success on the Lord's day. We see that in Acts 20, verses 28 through 30. And we see it in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and following. That's where they're going to be. Folks, walking into a church building on Sunday does not automatically make everybody who does so a Christian. Any more than walking into McDonald's makes you into a Big Mac. Therefore, simply attending the assembly on Sunday does not make someone a Christian because that would make both Satan and all of his demonic servants Christians as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 12 through 15. Sixthly, is someone a Christian simply because they do some good deeds? Remember back in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 6? You can turn back if you want to. I'm not going to, but 
We read back in Matthew chapter 4, we read verses 1 through 5, the temptation of Jesus. I want you to consider this. Is someone a Christian simply because they do some good deeds? Did you notice in Matthew 4, 1 through 6, that Satan did some good deeds? They were for terribly, awfully, utter, evil intentions, but did you notice that he did some good deeds? For example, I'm just talking about on the surface, not the reason. What does he do? He encourages a starving Jesus to eat and take sustenance. He encourages him to. For the wrong reason, I understand, but that that's, could be seen as a good deed. Satan transported Jesus to the top of the temple. Took him up there. Satan reminded Jesus of God's providential care and protection should Jesus fall. Satan did a few good things, even with awful intentions. Satan even goes on to offer Jesus all the kingdoms of the world without him having to even bother with the cross. Verses 8 and 9 of Matthew 4. Even though Satan's motives were awful and evil, he still did what some might have believed to be good deeds. Therefore, simply doing a few good deeds does not make someone a Christian. Because if it did, as we hear at so many funerals, so he was a good Christian man, and, and he did this, and he did that, and he did something else, and, and he never accepted Jesus as the Bible tells us that we must become a Christian. He never did anything, but he was a good person. You know, that's one of the things that just makes me a little crazy is quite often you get these people that say, we're not saved by works. We're not saved by works. Works have nothing to do with our salvation. Then what happens at a funeral service is they'll go on to have this person been saved by their good works. Which way is it, folks? Let's at least be consistent. If doing some good deeds makes someone a Christian, that would make Satan a Christian. Because he did a few good deeds, as it were. What about Cornelius in Acts chapter 10? In verse 2 it says, Cornelius was a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. <coughs> Cornelius did good deeds, gave, you know, got his whole family to believe in God. He's devout. But Cornelius is not a Christian in Acts 10 too. Cornelius does not become a Christian until the end of that chapter where water is commanded for him to be baptized and have his sins washed away because no matter how good he was, he could not earn his salvation through good deeds, Acts 10 and verse 2. The sins that he had committed, although they might have been fewer than some people, he still had to have washed away in the waters of Christian baptism at the end of that chapter. Doing good deeds does not make one a Christian in and of itself. Now, while good works, attending church, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, knowing the scriptures, and believing that God exists and is very powerful. Those are all parts of being a Christian. Yes, they are. They're all beautiful components of a Christian life. But none of them alone, or even all of those taken together by themselves, are what makes a Christian. Or else, the question that I asked at the beginning of this sermon, is Satan a Christian? 
is a big, fat, resounding yes, if that's all there is to it. Because we have seen Satan and or his demons doing all of those. Satan and his servants certainly believe in God. They certainly believe that he exists. They certainly believe he is powerful. Satan knows the scriptures. He proved it. He quoted them. They all know Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They all even attend church. And Satan has even been known to do some semblance of good deeds, even for his own evil ends. So the one question that remains then is, what does it take to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? And how do I become one? The word Christian is the word Christ, obviously, and then that little suffix at the end, I-A-N. That simply, I-A-N, is simply a little suffix that means belonging to. It's the same sort of thing as we who live in America are called Americans. Those who belong to Christ or who are in Christ are called Christians. They belong to Christ. A Christian is somebody that belongs to Christ. How do, okay, define it further. A Christian is somebody who is a willing, devoted, humble, and submitted follower of Jesus. Somebody who desires, somebody who wants, somebody who willfully chooses to follow and be a disciple of Jesus Christ, Acts chapter 11 and verse 26. A Christian, according to the Bible, is one who has heard the word, they have believed the word, but then, unlike King Agrippa, who had done both of those things, a Christian is one that not only hears the word and believes it, but they decide to repent. They decide to humble themselves and continually submit the rest of their lives and themselves fully, willfully, and lovingly to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's Christian. They are willing to submit to the full authority of Jesus for the rest of their lives. They make that choice, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. They do so by submitting and committing their very lives and souls to Jesus, no matter the cost. Jesus talked about counting the cost, and yet so often with new folks that come in, we don't talk to them about the cost, and we cheat them when we don't do that. A Christian is somebody who has committed their life and soul to him no matter the personal cost, consequences, the changes they have to make, or the challenges they have to face. 1 Peter 2, 18-25, and also chapter 4, verses 12-16. through They become a Christian by making the decision to be obedient to Christ's every word, Galatians 2, 20. Being a Christian is all about dying to self and sin and choosing to submit the rest of our lives to him. And that is something that Satan and his servants will never, ever, ever do. John 8, verses 31-47. That submission to the truth of God's word, that submission to Jesus who is truth, begins when we hear his word 
We believe his word, and we decide to change our minds. That's what repentance is. It's a change of mind about God and his word. It's a change that says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey God. I'm going to live for him for the rest of my life. That's called repentance. I'm going to change my mind so I start submitting. That all begins when we acknowledge or confess that he is Lord, not only with our mouth, not only lip service, but life service. We say what we're going to do is submit ourselves to his lordship for the rest of our lives. Luke 6, 46, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and Lord and not do the things I say? A Christian is one who has made the decision, I'm going to obey him. And then a Christian is that person who submits to his commanded requirement of being baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, Acts 2.38. And they rise to walk, not in oldness of life, not the way they walked before when they did what they wanted, but they rise to walk in newness of life, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 23. It's a new life. It's a different life because Jesus is Lord now. That's something Satan will never do. Sure, he can believe God exists, believe God's powerful. He can even quote scripture. Sure, he can. But until somebody submits to himself and makes that choice, they can't be a Christian. Because if all it took was believing and quoting scripture and doing those things we talked about at first, then my question at the beginning of this lesson is not so dumb as it sounded. The question is, if you're not somebody who has made that choice to submit yourself to God and become a biblical Christian, are you going to continue to do only what Satan and his servants do. Remember, they believe in God, believe he's powerful, knows the Bible, knows Jesus is the Son of God, attends church, and even does quote-unquote good deeds. If that's all it takes to be a Christian, Satan's a Christian. But that's not all it takes. Have you made a choice to submit yourself totally to the authority and the lordship of him who died for you and keep on submitting to and obeying the authority of the king of kings and the lord of lords that's what it takes to be a Christian if you have not done that this morning the opportunity is yours to make that decision in turn and brethren I am convinced from the amount of people that over the years have come to me in different congregations and said, can I be baptized? I was baptized before, but I didn't really know everything that was going on. You know what they were saying? I was baptized, but I didn't really understand, and I haven't really submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Even some people that have been baptized have not made that decision to fully, fully continue to obey Jesus. But that's what it takes to be a Christian. This morning, if you need to respond in any way, please come to the front as we stand and as we sing.